This is Father Kevin Hale with the homily for the 11th Sunday of the year, the 12th of June. The popularity of reality TV is such that at any given time, there's a whole range of different programmes from enterprising entrepreneurs wanting to become apprentices to wannabe pop stars to desert island survival. The common philosophy amongst the competitors is that you do everything you can to get ahead, anything you can do to attain the end that you want. Now, this might be a parable for the way many people live out their lives today. And it isn't an approach particular to the 21st century. It's been around from the beginning of mankind's history. And we hear a pretty good example of it in the first reading of the Mass this weekend. David was a bad king to begin with. But because he let his position go to his head. He thought he could and should have everything he wanted, so he committed adultery with Bathsheba, and then he arranged things that her husband, Uriah the Hittite, would be killed in battle so that he could take her as his wife. Adultery and murder, a double sin, which displeased God, obviously, and he suffered the consequences. Being ruthless in life to get what we want seldom brings happiness, and even reality TV demonstrates that truth. The most common human folly is the pursuit of those things which we convince ourselves we can't do without, and that will bring us happiness, which is the way the evil one tempts and taunts us. The continuation of the story of the first reading is that David is forgiven, but he's also cleansed and purified, and brought back to obedience to God precisely through the suffering unleashed by his double sin. From King David we learn how God's grace is always available, and it's through that grace that we find forgiveness, but this forgiveness is never cheap. Last Monday was the feast of St Norbert. He came from a wealthy and worldly German family in the 11th century. At the age of 35, he narrowly escaped death, and this changed his life as a result. He became a priest and was full of reforming zeal, which so antagonised the clergy of his diocese that they denounced him as a hypocrite. So he sold or gave away all his possessions, and got permission from the Pope to start a community of priests dedicated to preaching the gospel as missionaries in Europe. It was a kind of riches to rags, and then to greatness again. But the point is, many of the clergy were only too ready to point the accusing finger at poor Norbert because of his earlier life of sin. But he carried on, antagonising the clergy, by his zeal and his reformed life, and even escaped several attempts on his life by members of the laity because he tried to reclaim church properties that had been appropriated for profane use. He was misunderstood because, like David, he changed, converted, and purified his life. It's a truism, but every saint has a past, and every sinner has a future, and sometimes this makes us uncomfortable. Not surprisingly, it's the same attitude that Jesus encounters when the sinful woman enters the house of Simon and begins ministering to him. His reaction is the same as we've seen in other occasions in St Luke's Gospel. 
His, his reaction is an attitude of compassion. St. Luke is often called the gospel of mercy because of the beautiful parables he gives us of God's compassion. Compassion means suffering with. That's what Jesus does. That's why his sacred heart, the focus of our devotion during this month, is such a powerful symbol of God's love and compassion. If we are other Christs, then this is the essence of the way we live too. So what does the Christian who has the compassionate heart of Jesus look like? Surely it's someone who will look with the eyes of pity on someone who is suffering in whatever way. Someone who will never condemn because they know their sins are greater. Someone who will not cast the first stone because they're aware of their own vulnerability. Someone who will not treat others as the scapegoat for their own guilt. And someone who extends the merciful hand of Jesus unconditionally because they, like Jesus, hate the sight of someone suffering. And scapegoating is a common phenomenon in any society. It's often what brings people together as a group and bonds them. All of us can be very comfortable in coming together to point a finger at the failings of others. We all do it with our friends and colleagues when we find there's something we don't like or something someone has done. Where I come from in the east end of London, if you didn't like what someone had done, people simply went round to their place and they punched their lights out. In more middle class environments, this is done with words, written or spoken. And the new social media provides an excellent forum for this behaviour. And throughout history we find this happening from the very highest levels, right the way down. This tendency, this pleasure we get from critiquing others. The one thing that brings people together better than anything else is the hatred of a person or groups of people. The best example of recent times, I suppose, would be the Nazis and the Jewish people. Hitler managed to get a whole nation to see another ethnic group as the object of hatred. And by making the Jews their scapegoat, he managed to establish a national unity, but one based on hatred. Catholics have been scapegoated in the past, even in this country in modern times. Some older people might even recall advertisements for jobs. Catholics need not apply. And it has happened towards other national groups and minorities in similar fashion. I think this is what's happening in the gospel of the sinful woman. She is being scapegoated by those who are dubious of her repentance. Fortunately, Jesus isn't taking any notice of anyone except the person before him who wishes to purify her life and begin again. Because though she has a past, she wants to have a future as a saint. The church, all of us, stand in need of this purification. And it is the one thing that will make us pleasing more than anything else before God. The Immaculate Heart of Mary is filled with that same love as the heart of Jesus for us. Her vocation, her existence is for drawing us into the heart of her Son. Let's go to her when we find it difficult to make sense of life, to make sense of human nature in all its facets. And by going to her, know that with her fully human maternal heart, we are understood and unconditionally loved. Let us pray. 
O God, strength of those who hope in you, graciously hear our pleas. And since without you mortal frailty can do nothing, grant us always the help of your grace, that in following your commands we may please you by our resolve and our deeds. Through Christ our Lord. Amen.